You know, normally I have some super witty opening to give you guys, but there are truly no words for how much the Tar Heels let me down last night against Pittsburgh. I wish I could say something profound. I wish I could give you some sort of word of encouragement, but I got nothing. If you know that you only have one job and that's to not mess it up, and then you choose to do that anyway, it's got to be stressful for the kid. Let's talk about some men's hoops in the ACC from last night with Tyler Aki from Locked on Syracuse. You are Locked On ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to today's edition of Locked on ACC. Super excited to have you joining me and Tyler Aki, Candace Cooper here from the Locked on ACC podcast that you can find wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate you for making me and the team your first listen. That was so horribly grammatically incorrect, but it's fine. We're rolling. Tyler Aki, Locked on Syracuse. How are you feeling on this fine Thursday? I'm great just because Syracuse hasn't played this week. Sometimes <laughs> it, it's the little things like that. I mean, I could be you today. I you could, could be, be. I could be. be coming off a pit. I, I've been you before, yeah. actually. Okay. Coming off a pit loss. Like, okay. And I don't know if we need some sort of club or group that meets on, <laughs> on Wednesdays or something to the, 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 the Jeff Capel uh, defeatist crowd or something like that. Oh, I don't know. But oh my God. It just could, it nothing, can't get much worse. There is no bigger gut punch in this conference than losing to Pitt. Like, some people would say it's BC. I think it's Pitt. Absolutely. Because, like, BC has had some dudes over the past couple of years. I think back to, like, the Kai Bowman, Jerome Robinson team. Like, there's a lottery pick on that team. Yeah. And and Pitt, I guess, had Cam Johnson for a little bit before he – but he transferred out. So, I just think Pitt's the the biggest gut punch because that program, since Jamie Dixon has left, has done nothing. Yeah. It's been an embarrassment. (laughs) <laughs> but clearly last night in Chapel Hill, and let's, you know, set the scene, right? In Chapel Hill, Carolina has only lost one game at home. It's the one at the Duke where they got, you know, smacked. Mm-hmm. They had been 14-0 and 0 before that. And then they decided, oh, let's play another one. They played Florida State. They did well. But mind you, Florida State didn't have some of their key players. And we were just seeing, of course, the remnants of that. We thought, oh, this North Carolina team is back. They're doing big things. Like, they're on a roll. And then there was Pitt. Pitt came in and shot the lights out the gym. Man, Ithiel Horton, golly, 19 points on the day. Mr. Mr. Hughley had 18 points on the night. And I think the biggest thing for me was if you are a believer in Amanda Baycott being – an ACC player of the year. I need you to be quiet now. There's no longer the conversation. I need you to stop because I don't know what it is about him, but whenever he has to play someone who matches his skill set or is a little bit better, he gets the quiet. Now, mind you, he had a good game. No, he didn't. I'm not even going to hold you. Seven points. You're supposed to be the leader of this team, and you were held to seven points. That's very telling. I don't care what anybody says. I know we talk about you know how good or bad, whatever, double-doubles. You can get double-triple-single whoppers. I don't care. If you can't step up in big moments, I don't feel like you're the player of the year for me. How do you feel, Tyler, before I keep going going off? <laughs> I almost want to hear you keep going, but <laughs> if you'll allow me to intervene, I will. Um, you know what's weird with Carolina is that in these letdown games that they have, you know who's been their best player in all those games? I think you'd agree with me too. It's been Brady Manick. Like huh. Brady, was, Brady was rock solid in this game, that Duke game. Brady was the only one that showed up to play. And, and he's a transfer, and that's right. the biggest part. He's a tra- He's not even like all you talk about Carolina family and being in right. and that. He's new to that. 
Exactly. And I don't know what it is. If I'm a fan of any team, I think the most frustrating ride this season, some people might say Virginia Tech, some people might say uh, Louisville, obviously, but I think the most frustrated fan base right now has to be Carolina. Yeah. Because of the way that they have toyed with emotions this entire season. Like Louisville, you could see after a couple of games, this thing was going in the can. Virginia Tech, like you could see after a couple of games, like there was a long losing streak in there. But Carolina, I, and it's weird to say about a team that's 10 and 5 in a conference right now, but they don't play close games. They yeah. don't. Everything is double digits for better or for worse, pretty much. And you see games where they go out there and they look like the the world beaters. I mean, they they kick the ever living, you know what, out of a lot of teams this year. But they have also had the same thing happen to them a number of times. When you look at like this pick game was a nine point game. This wasn't a nine point game. No, this felt like 15, 20 points, pretty much. Um, Duke wasn't even close. Wake wasn't even close. Miami, another blowout. Kentucky earlier this year, a blowout. Tennessee, you got crushed in a neutral site. Like there's just so many demoralizing losses on this team's resume right now that it, it pretty much cancels out a lot of the wins and goodwill that they've built up. And speaking of the wins, I mean, look at the wins that they have this year, too. When you talk about top 40 Ken Palm wins, it's a Virginia Tech team that has been very disappointing. And it's a Michigan team that might be the biggest disappointment in the entire country. Yep. So where are you on, on North Carolina as a team? It's tough to gauge right now. Speak on it, Tyler. The fact that Pitt, the Pitt Panthers had 21 point lead against the heels is very telling of just the emotional investment that team is either lacking or the want to in the drive that like, there's no way in the world this Pitt team should be 21 points ahead of you. No, too no. much talent on that. Too much talent. Pitt, on that Pitt should not be 21 points of, ahead of anybody in the ACC. No. Absolutely not. And so you looking at an 11 and 16 team, 10 and 16 at the time, team that has struggled throughout the season. They have struggled with players being available, not available. And then Carolina has dealt with that. Dawson Garcia is officially out, right? Cool, whatever. Justin McCoy, he was out for the game. Fine, whatever. It's going to be a lot on Armando. Hello, pressure. You want the pressure? You got it. To not have Anthony Harris, who brings the energy, is very telling because of his academic issues. Very stressful. Now, as much as we talk about the players, at what point, as much as I hate going against coaches, especially ones who look like mine hubert my dog what we doing what we doing like i understand there's a shift between a hall of fame coach and hubert davis Mm -hmm. but golly you would expect a guy who learned under the wings of a hall of famer to at least have a lot of the hall of fame traits right at least accumulate them for as long as he was on the staff uh, uh, under roy williams and to be tabbed the successor as quickly as he was too. You'd expect that there would be some more of those hall of fame traits. And then you can branch off and create your own legacy at the same time. But I think the problem with this Carolina team right now is there is zero depth to it. When you talk about the loss of Garcia, but I don't even think that's, that's the end of it there either. Like Dawson Garcia, don't get me wrong. That's a big loss. But even if he was there, it's not like he's going to make a 20 point difference in a lot of these blowouts. He's yeah. just not no player is really. And, yeah. and that's the the troubling part is, okay, maybe he makes some of these blowouts like 10, eight point games, but they're still going to go down as losses. There's no one outside of Kerwin Walton or Dawson Garcia that, that really deserve minutes on this team right now. Yeah. I honestly don't know the answer. And that's the biggest like three takeaway for me is what is the answer? Cause I feel like you can't teach heart. 
You can't teach want to. You can't teach desire. And if you look at this backcourt, I understand they want to be, you know, walking and talking and having the swagger of being a North Carolina player, but there's a lot that comes to it. There is a high level of expectation, and I understand that there is pressure, but you have to deliver consistently. It's not about delivering when you feel like it. You have to deliver consistently or you're going to find yourself at the NIT. So I've made peace with the fact I'm going to start looking up. I have no idea when the NIT starts. I don't know nothing <laughs> about the NIT, but I'm going to look it up, Tyler. I'm going to look it up because I'm going to have to know because that's where my team is going. There's nothing more deflating. And, and I might meet you there too, by the way, in the NIT with Syracuse. But here, here's another thing with Carolina. I'm wondering yeah. too, as we're talking this through, and you talk yeah. about the heart and the want to, I almost wonder if it would be a good thing for the Carolina brand to slip a little bit. Maybe. Get a little bit more of the the dogs, the, the feisty players who want to quote unquote bring Carolina back. Because at the end of the day, I don't know if the Carolina brand will ever slip. I mean, you talk about the legends that have gone through the program, the greatest player of all time has gone through the program. Like that stuff matters. And you've got a rabid fan base too, that I don't think will ever let it a, a, a fantastic arena as well. A great atmosphere for watching a basketball game. So I don't know if it ever will slip. And, and I mean the best uniforms, not just in college basketball, but in all of sports, yeah. um, might I add too, <laughs> but and just the perks that come with being a Carolina player. But yeah if the brand were to slip a little bit and maybe they start getting some of these guys who are the overachieving four stars um, or like the, the hungry five stars that maybe were left off of a McDonald's all American and feel like they still have a chip on their shoulder and something to prove that might be good for the Carolina brand as a whole, as opposed yeah. to you walk in puffy chested because I'm a, I'm a five star McDonald's all American, all everything that is now playing for, for Carolina, the same program that Michael Jordan went through. Vince Carter went through that all these different guys went through Phil Ford, all these guys like what I think you understand where I'm coming from. I don't know if we'll ever get to that point, though. Yeah, we have to at the fact that we have to do this on Michael Jordan's birthday. It's really disappointing. That for is me. true. Like, yeah, <laughs> we let the squad. Maybe he, again, he has to come to every game because that's when the boys decide to show out. It's just very frustrating that you have 28 percent shooting on the night. And yes, not every shot goes in and you do have off nights. But the same way we talk about Duke and how you're going to get everyone's best when you play Duke Blue Devils. Carolina, why don't they feel the same way? Like, do you not understand that these guys would love nothing more than to go into Chapel Hill and beat you in the Dean Dome? Why don't you feel any sort of like, we need to defend home? Like, we need to have some swag about it. Like, what, what is missing? And I think that's the biggest piece for me that I don't get. I wonder if it's, uh, and it's not Hubert's fault, mm -hmm. but I wonder if the new coach, just having that sort of feel to your program right now, opens up a sense of vulnerability to your team. Like we've got an excuse. We've got a built an excuse now. So we mm. don't, it feels a little vulnerable. Like, okay, we lost new coach, still figuring out coach's system. Things are different around here. We don't, we lost a hall of famer. Like that, we can't overlook that as well. Yeah. I'm wondering if that's part of it too. And, and it's not Hubert's fault. Give him a couple of years. Maybe he figures it out, but and the early return, like you, like Hubert needs to succeed. He needs to because th this should be a succession plan, not <laughs> a not a uh, like a I, I can't even think of the right way to put it, but it should be a succession plan as opposed to, uh, oh, this was a, a forced hire. Like, that's yeah, what it needs. To that's be. what it feels like. Right. It feels like this was this is who Roy wanted. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to give him a year or two. We're going to understand that the program's going downhill and we are going to move on quickly. But I want to ask you a question before I get here and talk about it online. I want to ask you a question because you're probably going to be in the same sort of pot sooner or later. We had conversation on uh, YouTube about who might be the successor. So I want to ask you this. But first, guys, if you are interested in betting, please 
please make sure that you hit up betonline.net. Head to the website or use their mobile device today to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline is simply where the game starts from the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the NFL, the next fired coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is your number one spot for all of your sporting needs. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information. So again, go to BetOnline.net. So we're here with Tyler Aki from Locked on Syracuse. And, of course, we talked about this Carolina pit game. Carolina getting whooped to 76-67 by the Panthers. And it was worse than that. They find, they chipped away. But it's like you can chip, but you also have to stop. Two, two things. I know it's crazy, but yeah. you have to make some defensive plays I'm looking in order right to now, get back in the game. Final the 10 case. minutes. Carolina outscored Pitt 33 to 21. And that's why that's the only reason it looks as close as it is. Yeah. Right? Like, it was, that's it, the it was only the reason. Yeah, for sure. For sure. The fact that I was texting some of my friends and we said they had to get in below nine to even feel like this was a game. And that wasn't the case is why we lost. I went to bed. I ain't gonna lie to you. I said, I, I already know what's happening. I'm not watching this. I'm not going to bed angry. So there's that. But what I want to ask you is you see what's going on with Hubert Davis. Syracuse is not far. Bayham got to retire at some point. He mm-hmm. has to leave, like whether yeah. it's going to be wheelchaired out or whatever, what have you. Are you guys, how does the administration have some, some sort of real succession plan and not just who Bayheim wants? Because it's clear that they've had some tension in terms of Bayheim playing certain players that he, people feel like, oh, he's only playing them because they might be related or X, Y, Z, what have you. What do you feel like the real succession plan is going to look like for Syracuse? I think that, well, you talk about uh, like the favoritism maybe in players and family mm-hmm. stuff. Well, to, to make the, the coaching analogy here, but everyone on the staff and really that's in contention for the Syracuse job is a quote unquote family member because they all played for Beheim. All right. Mm-hmm. So that is the con- like they are all quote unquote his his basketball sons, yeah. if you will. Um, but I would say that when you look at the succession plan at Syracuse, I think it's going to go very similarly to what happened at Duke and Carolina. Mm. And, and I know there's all this stuff coming out this week about Coach K and Tommy Amaker and how that whole thing went down. But mm-hmm. I think it's going to be effectively Jim Beheim's pick. Mm-hmm. And it just needs to be signed off on by the university. And, and the university is going to sign off on whoever Beheim picks because it's really going to be a crop of two, three names that he's yeah. looking at. It's going to be Red Autry one of the Mm -hmm. assistant coaches right now, Jerry McNamara, one of the assistant coaches right now, or I could see it being Mike Hopkins, who right now is the head coach at Washington, probably going to get fired in the next year or two, but he was tabbed as the Bayheim successor back when there was an initial plan to replace Bayheim after I believe it was the 2017 season. Mm -hmm. So after that season, it was supposed to happen, but instead Hopkins went out, took the Washington job a year early and that's kind of where everything fell and Bayheim signed an extension to, to remain on as the head coach for a while. And obviously we are where we are right now where, where he's still the head coach and doesn't so, show any signs of wanting to walk away anytime soon. So yeah, I think with Syracuse, it, it's going to go similarly. And I think it would mirror more towards the coach K where Bayheim has said he wants to announce the mm. plan ahead because it'll help recruiting. It'll mm-hmm. make sure that the, the foundations there and make sure that players are in the loop. He um, wants a farewell tour. It's okay. Just say what it is. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, well, I will say this. 
I don't think he wants the farewell tour, but I think yeah. he wants the because like he's not the attention guy, this attention guy that he's never mm-hmm. he's not Coach K. Like, he, yeah, he's not he's not that. <laughs> um, but he I think he wants it for the health of the program, because Syracuse basketball, like you got to remember, this is all he knows. Yeah. He's been a part of this program for over 50 years, whether it being a head coach, an assistant coach or a player. Yeah. Coming up on like when it's all said and done, it'll probably be closer to 60, if not reaching 60 years. Yeah. So that I mean, for effectively your entire life, minus your teen years, that is impeccable. And what he has built, he does not want this thing to crumble. I think he cares so deeply about this university mm-hmm. that he he doesn't want to see this thing crumble. And I, and I think the, the best way for him to do it would be to to announce some sort of succession plan that way the recruits stay and there's just everyone's in the loop that way um because people are gonna know with him when it's yeah. time like if he were to hide it people would i be, think be able to tell when it's time and he's always been the most transparent coach in all of america whatever sport <laughs> like for better or for worse he's been the most transparent yeah. coach in all of america so sure. i wouldn't I'd expect it to be something a la Coach K and the way that that played out from at least yeah. from the good parts of, of what's happened with Coach K. Yeah, right. So I'm wondering, though, like when you think about Roy and Hubert, did he give the players some sort of hit or connection? Because you talk about recruiting, you talk about, you know, who's going to stay or go. And I look at Walker Kessler having a good season at Auburn, and I know that Hubert tried to get him to stay. But I'm wondering if you know, maybe Walker knew, I ain't trying to deal with this. I don't want to deal with this mess. I don't want to deal with a rebuild because as much as we want to give Hubert credit for being on the bench for nine years as an assistant, there is nothing like being the head coach. There are more responsibilities. There's more kissing babies. There's a lot that goes on to it besides the X's and O's on the court, right? You don't have the same kind of, you know, attention that you can give to your players one-on-one. So you have to have the right assistance available for you to make sure that happens. And sometimes I know we're crazy because we all want to be Batman, but it is cool to be Robin. Like, ain't nothing wrong with being a good number two. I think there's so many solid people who have built great careers on being good assistants. And I think that's been, some to me, one of the biggest mishaps, what I'm seeing right now with Carolina. I think, I don't know if fresh eyes would have made the better sense, but because, you know, ego-wise, having someone like uh, Wes Miller come Mm -hmm. in and you work under Wes Miller when you've been, you're older, you know, you clearly have been around the program a little longer. Maybe that's just the ego thing. I don't know the answer. Absolutely not. All I say, I say, sometimes being a Robin is cool. (laughs) A couple of college coaches have put it to me this way. When you go from being an assistant to being the head coach, you go from being the good cop to being the bad cop because you start dictating Players minutes, assistant coaches salaries, um, who's going on recruiting visits and when and all that stuff like you have final say. And when you're an assistant coach, if you've got a problem with the head coach as a player, you're going to the assistant coach because they're going to be the the sort of good cop and say like, hey, like you got this like more uplifting, whereas the the head coach, you got to be the bad guy at times. And and that's the toughest part of of making that transition where Hubert's used to being the good cop. And now all of a sudden he's the bad guy at at the top, at the top of the mountain. And that is such a tough transition for a lot of guys, especially for a guy like Hubert too, who by all accounts seems like the best dude in the world. Yeah. And I'm sure can be, don't say a cuss word. He got all the scriptures to give you. He got all the ways to uplift you and empower you, make you feel better. That's great. I don't need that from my head coach. I need somebody who's going to dig in that tail. You need someone with a little nasty. <laughs> and, and sometimes uh, sometimes some of these assistants don't have the nasty in them. And that's why they, they may not succeed as yeah. the head coach. And that's the toughest part 
of the transition. Yeah. And that's why sometimes you need to go and, and be a head coach, make some mistakes at a smaller school before you step up to the big leagues. Because guess what? This, this is the power five. This is the ACC. Okay. This is North Carolina basketball. Okay. Like you need a little bit of nasty too. And, and I know Roy probably has the same aura that, that Hubert Davis has in terms of good, good guy. And, but he had some nasty to him. Too. Okay. And I'm sure he, if you ask a lot of his players, they'll tell you the same thing. <laughs> if you can't throw out a dadgummit, then I already know you're probably not that guy. So it's okay. All that to say, they move on. They're probably going to venture their way into the NIT, and that's fine. Congrats for Pitt for getting a solid win. Capel probably gets another year under his belt to really grow and keep his players, and they just figure out how to do so. But I want to know what my favorite. Yes, go ahead. Quick. You know what my favorite part of this game was? The little yeah. stat tidbit that I saw that popped up on the internet. <laughs> Was that this Pitt beat Carolina so bad in this game that it is no longer a quad four loss because Pitt elevated to quad three Jesus by Christ. beating Carolina? So, <laughs> Carolina losing almost helped themselves out in a, in a way by Getting losing their ass in the whooped. Man, right yeah. exactly by losing in the manner that they did so that I the loss that. isn't as bad as it really is right. I, I find that fascinating <laughs> so if you're not going to be challenged do it do the worst part and make sure you get your ass whooped. okay cool cool got it got it got it man that's i learned something new every day and i'm really that makes me even more disappointed but maybe not maybe we'll still find ourselves in the ncaa tournament that'll put your mind in a pretzel like i I don't know if that's good or not that's why kid pop all of these stat stuff is just very stressful but there were other games that happened on wednesday night that we want to talk to here in just a second want to remind you guys that making us your first listen each and every day we're available wherever you listen to podcasts as well as locked on bets we know that we talk about betting here we're going to have a lot of that discussion tomorrow on tomorrow's show with uh jersey drake for freestyle friday so make sure you tap in there this is available wherever you listen to podcasts notre dame and Boston College. Man, oh man, what a good one. A Notre Dame outlasted the Eagles 99-95. It went into overtime. The Eagles, as you had mentioned, are not the scrub team of our conference. You don't feel bad when you lose to them because you know you have good players. And you talk about Coach Grant and what he's done with that program the same way I used to talk about Coach Forbes in last season. The tides are turning. I feel like the Eagles are going to be a team you pay attention to going into 2022-2023 season. Because of the way they are standing toe-to-toe and even beating some really good teams in our conference, you know, it's it sucks to lose. You don't want to find moral victories, but at the same time, you hold your head up to a Notre Dame team currently sitting at 19-7, and and they're really trying to make their way into this uh, dancing in March. Yeah, first place in the ACC, tied with Duke right now for Notre yeah. Dame. Like. You look at going on the road and putting this team, a team that you've already beat this season, by the way, mm-hmm. and nearly sweeping the one of the top teams in the conference. Like, that's a building block yeah. for Boston College. And just looking at some of the games that they've played in lately, too, like you hung around with Duke for a little bit. Um, you, you hung around with Virginia a, a bit as well. They just haven't had the formula for playing two halves. And that's yeah. a tough thing when you bring in a new coach and building up the culture and all that. It's tough because finishing is a really tough thing, especially against groups that I mean, look at look at the last four coaches that yeah. that Boston College has faced: Notre Dame, Mike Bray, yeah. veteran; Duke, need I say more? Yeah. Syracuse, need I say more? Virginia, Tony Bennett. I mean, yeah. there are three national championship coaches plus Mike Bray, who's who's been a damn good coach in his own right. 
yeah. as well. So that's not an easy thing to do against point. against teams that know how to close out games and, and against coaches that know how to make second half adjustments. And, mm-hmm. and listen, I have no doubt in my mind that Earl Grant's going to get there at a certain point. But in year one, it's a tough thing to do, especially at a in a place like Boston College where recruiting hasn't been strong for quite some time. Like you're going to, you're going to see a shift as long as they can start to dominate that Northeast, not dominate, but like be a player in the Northeast in recruiting. You'll start to see that shift with Boston college. Absolutely. The same way you see Blake Wesley in Notre Dame and how you kind of keep it at home. Maybe they can figure out how to keep some, you know, really good talent up there in the Northeast to stay around and attend to Boston college. You know, they have a decent football program, so it's a great university. So there's a lot of good selling points and maybe you could be the guy that helps to take it to the next level so we can beat a Notre Dame or we can sweep them in the season. All of that good stuff for sure. Also want to mention Miami and Louisville 70 to 63 victory for the Hurricanes now sitting at 19 and seven. While the Louisville Cardinals drop 11 to 14, Miami holding on to get a victory. And it's, listen, I, Louisville, I'm sorry, hate had to be you, but we all know just issues going on over there. I can't sleep on the fact that Charlie Moore and uh, Isaiah Wong and Mr. McGusty are having really good seasons. So as much as I talk about how the ACC is eating up itself, I do feel like this ACC tournament is going to be very exciting. Something gives me very good, exciting energy. A lot of people are talking about Alondez Williams as the best transfer in the conference. And rightfully so. He, he's yeah. been fantastic. A big reason why Wake Forest has played the way that it has this season. But don't sleep on Charlie Moore as maybe being the best transfer in the conference. Okay. Because of what he has done and the meaningful moments that he has put together, too. I mean, he has the the big buzzer beater to, mm-hmm. to go out and um, – who did they beat? Was it Virginia, Virginia Tech? Tech? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, the big buzzer beater there. Um, I mean, he's just the reason why this team has overachieved that the degree that they have is bringing stability to the point guard position. And he's just a guy who, I mean, you talk about a college basketball passport, all the different schools and stops that he's been <laughs> at, whether it, he starts his career at Cal, then yeah. he goes to Kansas, then he goes to DePaul. Now he's at Miami. I mean, he's touched every single coast. I think he's only missing the mountain time zone in there. And he's gone and played in four different conferences. He has seen it all. And I think that's a really valuable thing to have in a point guard and a reason why Miami might be tailored for some NCAA tournament success because of the strength they have at point guard, a coach who's a a solid coach in Jim Laranaga, some nice Mm -hmm. supplementary pieces. But I think Charlie Moore is going to kind of be the cold of the engine here. And, And he's a guy that I would want as my point guard. Because of all the stuff that he's seen over the course of his career. Absolutely. And you're playing with guys who have that want to and they have that fire about them. And even just looking back when they put, what, like 30 on North Carolina, they just they they enjoy being the bad guy. But they enjoy dominating teams. And I think as we get into tournament play, it's going to be essential for them to lean on a Charlie Moore and lean on some of their big uh, shooting guards and forwards and all of that good stuff. And they also have, you know, strong, a strong squad overall. I think Miami is very deep. So I never want to sleep on anybody. But if you could say right now before we wrap up the show here. I mean, is it still Notre Dame for you? Are we for the regular about anybody season? else? Yep. You're talking regular season? Mm-hmm. I mean, I look at Notre Dame's remaining schedule. Let me pull it up here real quick because yeah. I, I saw it the other day. This is what you're looking at the rest of the way for Notre Dame before the ACC tournament. You've got a road game against Wake Forest. Then you're home against Syracuse, home against Georgia Tech, on the road against Florida State, and then home against Pitt. Maybe one loss in there. Yeah. Maybe one loss in there. Yeah, Like that is a nice little cushy way to close out your season. Meanwhile, the other teams that you're looking at, 
Duke. You have a couple of, of easy ones when you look at home against Florida State, a depleted Florida State team, um, a road game against uh, Pitt, but then you're on the road against Virginia. That's not going to be easy. On the road against Syracuse, you never know what Syracuse team you're going to get. And then you're going to have the the absolutely charged matchup against Carolina. Like, there are three potentially tough games in there for Duke. Yeah. And then I guess the, the other teams that you throw into the conversation of, of closing the season against um, – against um in terms of who could be a competitor miami uh virginia um road against Pitt, home against virginia tech road against bc road against syracuse like there could be some losses lumped in there i don't yeah. think miami is this teflon being not not that i think <laughs> no yeah notre dame is either but the schedule for notre dame is the easiest the rest of the way so yeah i'll go with notre dame i will okay. because i think okay. duke could duke could definitely lose one and potentially two meanwhile notre dame I think it would be a failure if you lost more than one down the stretch here. Absolutely. And, you know, I think for whatever reason, Duke craps the bed when they're at home or they get it's too close for comfort when they're playing at home, which you would think during this season. And you season. know you get the best <laughs> shot of the opponent, too. Like that's yeah. just simply what it is. And, like, Absolutely. the Duke-Syracuse game, that's probably going to be the largest on-campus crowd at a college basketball game all season long. So, yeah. like, you never know. Weird things can happen when that stuff Weird plays, things can happen. Out, yeah. Listen, it's so close to the end, but we have a lot of good things going down the stretch. want to remind you guys that the women play tonight as well. If you want to check out the big Louisville-North Carolina game at 6 p.m. on ACC Network, Extra, I think it's good. that's going to be good. Another top 25 matchup. Virginia Tech will play Syracuse. Wake Forest will play NC State. And Notre Dame will play Georgia Tech. So make sure you tap into that. Tyler, it's always a pleasure to have you here on the show. Can you please remind folks of where they can find you, follow your work? Yeah, check us out. Locked on Syracuse every single weekday, Monday through Friday. You can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse and myself at Tyler, A-K-I underscore. No doubt. Guys, come back tomorrow. Freestyle Friday, Jersey Drake in the building. For Candace Cooper and Tyler Aki, until next time.